Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Today we'll be exploring one of my favorite topics the altered states of consciousness and how we can work with them, and more specifically, hypnosis. Hypnosis is one of the most mysterious phenomena which induces an altered state of consciousness, the theta state, where instructions given to the hypnotized person bypass the conscious mind and access directly the subconscious and unconscious mind. This allows a deep-level reprogramming of habits, beliefs, emotional traumas, and past life memories, so it is a very powerful tool. We still don't quite understand how it works, as consciousness is a quantum phenomenon, and as such, it can't be captured, measured, labeled, or categorized. Consciousness just is and we can only play with its various states or frequencies altering the functions of our brain, looking for some useful entry points to induce positive changes and healing. To have an expert chat about hypnosis, I invited today a special guest, Jennifer Schlöter. Born in Germany, Jennifer spent some years in LA and eventually moved to Cape Town in South Africa. Jennifer quit her job as managing editor of 22 newspapers after her first hypnosis session to travel the world while working online. She now works as a hypnotherapist and breathwork facilitator, helping people with healing and transformation, as well as teaching hypnosis and channeling. Jennifer is the host of the Mind Your Subconscious podcast and loves exploring the unlimited potential of the human mind. And she joins me now from Cape Town. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome to Quantum Living. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And I'm great. How are you? I am great. Thank you. It's uh, thanks to the mystery and and magic of technology, we are speaking between Melbourne and Cape Town with such a good connection. <laughs> I really enjoy speaking with my guests from all over the world. And you are my first guest from Cape Town. So very special. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, chat with you about so many topics that I would like to cover. But to begin with, to set the scene, could you share with us your personal journey. How did you end up on this path? Um, yes, I can. So I was born and raised in Germany. And at 19, I decided to go to Los Angeles and study there. And then I ended up working there. And in my job as managing editor, I was um, 
it was very amazing. It was very exciting. I had a great team. Um, my bosses were great. Everything seemed good on the outside. But then inside, I felt like something is missing. I want to travel. Um, because as a European, we're, we're, uh, we're very fortunate to grow up with travel and to have travel so close to our fingertips that I was like, oh, mm -hmm. now I'm in America. I have 10 days of paid vacation. I really want to go and leave and just travel. <laughs> and I saw people traveling while working online um, back in 2015, that was. And also my whole personal life was kind of in a downward spiral, like things kept happening and it was just not good. And so one of my friends told me, hey, why don't you go to my hypnotherapist? And I was like, I don't know, but okay, I guess she helped you. So I'm just going to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went to this hypnotherapist and I got back from a session. I went to sleep and at 5 a.m. I woke up and I had made the decision in my mind that I was going to quit my job and travel the world while working online. And two weeks later, I quit and I told my bosses. And six months later, I was out to travel And then while I was working as a virtual assistant online, I was actually meeting another hypnotherapist who helped me with completely transforming my money mindset to fix the relationship with my mother and to help me find out why I was dating absolutely, why I was in horrible, toxic relationships. So um, hypnosis has changed my life. Wow. Okay. Did you remember what happened in the first session or uh, not? So it's, it's funny because people ask me this and I cannot really say that yes I completely remember because it's been so long ago um but I I just remember that I was packing a lot of bad stuff into a hot air balloon and then it was flying off that was one thing I remember but the rest I also didn't remember because I also think that I was just so much in trance because it was my very first hypnosis that I was just gone and um yeah that that's that's what I remember not more <laughs> well clearly it was very effective because it helped you uh, address all those issues that you were having and, and facilitated your new career, I guess, new pathway in life. Okay, so then what happened next? Then in 2018, I decided to study hypnosis and I tried on my friends and family and then I got myself a coach, my very first coach, and she got me into past life regression, got me to read the books Journey of Souls and Life Between Lives And then I um, studied past life regression. And also I didn't study the life between lives course, but I, I know what happens there. I read the book, so I, I cannot call myself a facilitator of life between lives, but I know and, and I do it and I know what's happening there. And then I also got to know breathwork from a friend and um, she taught me that. So it's also been really incredible and an incredible tool to support my clients as well. And since like 2019, I started my podcast. I started my business solely with hypnosis. I'm focusing on hypnosis and breathwork now only. I'm very curious about the subconscious mind, hence my podcast as well. So it's been an incredible journey ever since. And I cannot, like, there's always something else to explore. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So let's talk about the power of the subconscious mind. Yes. Do you want us to talk about anything, anything specific or do you just want me to like go in, into that? Well, we can go into all sorts of rabbit holes, but to perhaps have some focus in, in our conversation, what is the difference for those people who are not familiar perhaps with these terms and these topics? What is the difference between the conscious 
mind, subconscious, unconscious, and super consciousness that some people add to the mix. What's the difference between these two? So the in layman con- terms, please. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, of course. So the conscious mind is basically the part of your brain. It's only five percent, by the way. The five percent of your brain that are constantly thinking, analyzing, judging. Um, and as we're having a conversation now, your brain is going to go probably like, oh, is, is she saying this right? Or, or is she uh, talking facts or the truth or whatever? So this is your conscious mind. And we're, during our day-to-day lives, we're always in our conscious minds. But there is the other 95% of your brain, which is the subconscious mind, which is the, type, which is the mind that gets turned on, so to say, when you are in a relaxed state of mind, when you are in hypnosis, when you are in a meditation, when you're doing something that you love, when you forget all time and space, can also be right before sleep, can be while you're driving, for example. And that's the mind where also your morals, your values, your experiences are stored. And your subconscious mind has taken in everything from your childhood. Because as a child, Your subconscious mind is wide open and it absorbs everything like a sponge. Because kids, when they're really young, they're not judging yet. They're not thinking yet. They're not saying, oh, this is good or this is bad. And then it's going to come into my brain. They're just saying, oh, it's just going to come into my brain because I don't have the ability yet to judge or to think because their, their conscious mind is not really developed. And then when it gets to the super conscious, the super conscious in my terms would be that you can... Be in a state of mind which has the highest frequency, which is usually like an emotion such as love or peace or joy. And in this frequency, you can talk to other beings, you can channel other beings, you can have out-of-body experiences, you can astral travel, you can lucid dream. All of these things are can be done with the superconscious. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are, I guess, different schools of thought in terms of subconscious versus unconscious. Do you combine those two terms into one or do you still view them as separate states? Subconsciousness versus unconsciousness or subconscious mind versus unconscious mind? I personally do not make a difference, but I can see how people make a difference. Also, when you're unconscious, um, you can be subconscious at the same time. Um, but also you you may not be able to take anything in or you think that you're not taking anything in and you're not aware of things. That's the difference for me. So for example, during my hypnosis uh, that I did with this um, hypnotherapist, I was not aware of what was happening. So for me, that's the unconscious state. But I know that my subconscious was working, obviously, because after I woke up, everything changed in my in my mind. That's the difference for me. Now, in terms of achieving the subconscious state, when you mentioned that we get there, say, when we are driving or just daydreaming or just before falling asleep, what I differentiate at this point is the theta state. So I'm talking now about the brain frequency versus the alpha state. So the alpha state 
is the first one after beta. So the beta most alert, then alpha, daydreaming, then theta, which is this really mysterious state of mind. And we're going through theta twice a day naturally just before going to sleep and when we are waking up from delta. And this is, as I understand, that theta state is the hypnotic state, a trance state, because we are in the state most impressionable. And even within that state, we can achieve various levels or various depths, if you like. Uh, and I say that because I, I use um, theta state in my meditations, also in my coaching work with, with clients. Uh, and it is as mysterious as it is effective. So any any work, any change of patterns, change of habits, reprogramming happens in the state, which is which is very mysterious. And now linking this to my earlier comment uh, in the introduction about the the um, hypnotic state being one of the most mysterious in that it hasn't been fully explained. Do you agree with that or do you do you feel that it is scientifically fully explored and explained and and we know all about it or not? Um, what I would say is science likes their data and their facts and all of that, right? So no, in a scientific way, I do not think that we have all the data, all the facts and everything that um, has to do with the subconscious mind. However, I think as a practitioner, And as you and I, as people who work with the subconscious mind, we do understand it and we do not need a certain type of data or fact or number to really be effective with our clients because we have seen time and time again in our life experience that it works. So I do not think that numbers or data or facts prove everything, but with our understanding that comes from experience, we can definitely um, already help people. We have helped millions and billions of people. And so, yes, there is a lot of things that cannot be scientifically ex explained, but there are people. So there's more, there's more science that is actually being disclosed. The CIA has actually done such a lot of science on, they even have people who do remote viewing. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is people going into their subconscious or their superconscious mind And they view, for example, murder scenes, what happened um, when like uh, somebody got murdered and when they didn't find out who it was, then those people, they're called, um, so in my eyes, they're psychics, but they call them um, remote viewers. So they have these people view what happened because all timelines exist parallel, so to say, and, and, um, or, you know, however you want to see it. All timelines exist and these remote viewers go to these places and they view who did it, so to say. That's an extreme case for a remote viewing. And that has been scientifically explained. There are scientific courses on Udemy that you can look up. And there's been a lot of science done that is actually out in this world. Because I think if everybody would know that, that you could do this with your subconscious mind, we would be way more powerful as humans and we would know our power and we would not be... Get, getting trolled, so to say, by politicians, <laughs> if I put it in extreme ways. We would not be getting trolled by people who, who want to control us in school systems, in, in corporate systems, in the whole entire world right now, with the TV, with the media. No. 
Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, and, and I love this topic. Um, so thank you for bringing this out because whenever someone says, well, you know, the CIA has is doing this research, I say, do tell if you've got an intel. Uh, <laughs> but yes, and um, I am aware of that and, I, and I've heard about it and I've read about it. Now, the remote viewing is about accessing information at a remote location. So it could be it could be on the other part of the world. But I believe it is also about accessing information on a different time-space continuum. So in other words, looking into the future, as it were, or into the past, which is pretty much um, like clairvoyance or very close to. So is remote viewing a form of psychic ability to see a, a future event or a past event, or does it work somehow differently? What's, what's your view on that? The remote viewing is only what people have scientifically explored. And when people talk about psychics, they talk about the woo-woo, they talk about, oh, it's, it's witchcraft, it's whatever, it's, it's mystical, it's woo-woo, it can't be explained. That's what I think our modern definition of a psychic is. But remote viewing has put the science to whatever a psychic mm -hmm. is. And at the, um, it is the same thing. It is clairvoyance. Remote viewing is clairvoyance because you can see what's happening. Yeah. For example, if I would remote view um, in, into your kitchen, I would be able to tell you what's in your kitchen as well. Or if you would remote view my place, you would be able to tell me what's mm -hmm. in here, what, what uh, pants I'm wearing because you can't see it on Zoom right now. <laughs> so that's what you can do with remote viewing. <laughs> mm. And it's clairvoyance. There's no difference. Yes. And it has so many applications. Is there a link between remote viewing and hypnosis? So my question, my real question here is when you do remote viewing, so once you are trained and you do your remote viewing, do you alter your state of mind? Do you go into that hypnotic theta state or not? Yeah. And I love the question. So remote viewing, they will do it without putting you knowingly into the theta state of mind. In hypnosis, we definitely knowingly relax you and help you to, to access that theta state of mind. However, you do not need a whole introduction or in induction, a hypnotic induction to access the theta state. You can literally access it within seconds. And remote viewing is teaching you just that, to get into the theta state just in seconds. But they will not explain it that way. In the course that I've learned, they will not explain it to you that you're going into the theta state of mind. Why? Um, I don't know why that is. Um, maybe because maybe because they haven't explored it so much scientifically, um, but they will never call mm. it the theta state of mind. They would use different terms, different... Um, yeah, they, they just use different terms. But they also tell you to to turn off everything that's judging and analyzing and thinking. And as soon as you're doing that, they're saying that you have to write this down as things that you just thought of or analyzed or judged because the remote viewing, you just have to bam, bam, bam. You just have to put it out like that without even your brain being able to think. You have to be quicker than your thinking brain, so to say. Yes, just to draw or write down whatever you can see in your mind. But this is very interesting because I did look into remote viewing courses and 
I haven't seen anywhere any any information or a reference to an altered state of consciousness during remote viewing. So I guess my question actually came to me intuitively because I haven't even thought about it before, to be honest. And it has just occurred to me that I have never seen any reference to it. So it's interesting, uh, as you said, that here this is actually what takes place because this explains how we can access different time-space continuum, we need to be in an altered state of consciousness. So this makes perfect sense. So have you done the remote viewing course? Yes, I have. And I actually also, I want to add that I think they will not tell you to change your state of consciousness because then you'll get into a pressure mode. You will ask yourself, oh, am I in the right state of consciousness? Am I actually ready? Am, you know, like... Am, am I there already? But they, they will not say that to you. And I actually like that approach because then you will not question yourself because a lot of my clients, a lot of people always ask like, oh, am I in the right state? Have I been hypnotized? Like, um, does it feel that way? Is, is that right? Is that true? And with remote viewing, you are taught to not question that you're already in that state. So I think that's actually a very beautiful approach. Mm, okay. I teach theta meditation, and in fact, I have developed uh, an instructional theta meditation package where uh, where I take uh, the listener through a guided meditation in which I explain the process that aid a technique for achieving a theta state, because it can be achieved um, at will, although it's not easy for some people, but it can be done. And I have also uh, included certain signposts, if you like. So this is what I have developed in my own meditation practice as signals, as signs, which will tell us very clearly that we are in theta. But this is, this is fascinating. So what are your experiences with remote viewing? Have you practiced it? Have you used it for a particular purpose? No, so I only practice in the course. Um, and it's been, <laughs> I think I need a lot more practice, um, to be honest, because for me, it's also the, the difficulty for me is also to, because I know so much about the subconscious mind and the theta state and everything that um, obviously in the back of my mind is like, oh, am I doing this right? Is this, you know, can I do this so quickly? Da, da, da. So <laughs> I, there's sometimes when I'm successful, sometimes when I'm not. So I need a lot more practice, I think. Okay, because you are highly analytical, so you are you 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 find it difficult to uh, to let go and just go with the flow. Is it that or? It's not analytical. I would say it's more like self doubt. Okay, well, that's not very good either. <laughs> yes. And when I have, you know, when I have my days of no self doubt, it's perfect. Like it's good. <laughs> but when I have my days of self doubt, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> Would you like to learn how to meditate in Theta? The optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional Theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. 
It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Do you think that animals have a subconscious mind? I love that question. Um, Because I know that animals can be hypnotized. I've seen animals being hypnotized. So do they have a subconscious mind or or some form of it? So I have never hypnotized animals, but I have had um, people speak to me to... My mom's dog, for example, my um, one of my angel readers, she speaks to animals as well. So mm-hmm. animals can be spoken to. They will respond. Um, they have souls. That's what I know. I mm-hmm. cannot define whether they have subconscious mind. I guess that goes together with having a soul. Um, but I cannot give a de- definite answer because I'd never really um, looked into that. And I never looked into hypnotizing animals. I only looked into speaking with animals. And I know that one of my angel readers, she does that. And I know a lot of people do that, too. So. It's possible. Yes. I've seen, uh, that was some years ago, I've seen a a group of animals, different animals. There were chickens, there were dogs, horses, a group of different animals that were hypnotized, i.e. put to sleep. So basically they they were sitting on the ground or lying on the ground and with the guy, you know, doing his thing and it was all filmed they were actually one by one, they were just lying down and going to sleep, which was amazing to watch. I don't remember what it was or where it was, but I'm sure that if you Google, you know, some keywords, you will you will find that, but it's fascinating. Why did you, I find it curious, why did you say that uh, having a subconscious mind is linked to having a soul? What's the connection there? Um, because whenever you're in your subconscious mind in the theta state of mind you can access your soul because whenever we are in our conscious minds we always we look at external stuff we we see literally we see all around us the the senses are coming in um, at all times for all of us but when we actually turn off all the senses you can also experience that in float tanks for example you have no Mm -hmm. um, sight you cannot hear anything you cannot see anything you have no sight on the outside so uh, no sense on the outside on your skin. So when you have when you actually focus on what's within only without all the senses, you can listen to your soul, basically to your inner guidance, to your intuition, whatever you want to call it to your soul. And you can communicate with other souls as well. You can communicate, for example, with your children. You can communicate with animals. You can communicate with other beings on other planets. You can communicate with your ancestors. And that's why I think the subconscious mind is, is linked to the soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can subscribe to that. <laughs> so what is hypnosis? And if you could also talk to various types of hypnosis, for example, what is called a stage hypnosis, when you can make someone behave like a chicken, <laughs> versus clinical hypnosis and self-hypnosis. Could you talk to this for a moment? Absolutely. So 
the stage hypnosis is basically what people see on cruise ships or on the street or wherever you've seen a stage hypnotist doing his thing. Basically, they go to, they have their own exercises with which they determine which person is easily hypnotizable. And then they do these exercises in front of the people. They pick out the ones that are best at, or that are most suggestible. And they pick these ones to come on stage. And the people who come on stage, they actually, they want to come on stage. They are confident enough. They want to do that stuff. They want to have fun. Then they go on stage. And then the hypnotist says things, for example, like act like a chicken, eat an onion, but think it tastes like an apple <laughs> or um, don't like chocolate anymore. Things like that. But as soon as the hypnotist says something that goes against a person's morals or values, for example, um, if a guy doesn't want to kiss another guy, it will not happen because it doesn't agree with that person's morals or values if they don't want to do that. So they will wake up from hypnosis. And that hypnosis is also just a relaxed state of mind. But the stage hypnotist is very skilled at putting people into hypnosis at a very, very fast rate with, within seconds sometimes. So then there is um, clinical hypnosis or hypnotherapy. And the difference is also just that clinical hypnotherapists, they have a different degree than somebody who calls themselves simply a hypnotist or hypnotherapist. Um, and the clinical ones, they can work with um, anxiety, depression, everything that has been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, I could do that too, even though I don't have that degree, but I have had experience. So legally, I'm not allowed to do that, but I can do it too, even if, especially if people come to me and want that for me. Um, so hypnotherapy is basically the concept where you work with somebody who has any type of problems, financial relationship problems, self-doubt, um, other issues, whatever it is, and you help them by relaxing their conscious mind and really going into the subconscious mind and then working on the problems in the subconscious mind, because then you can release the old beliefs, the old experience that have the old experiences that have caused the beliefs the old experiences that have caused the patterns in your life, the habits in your life, you can release that from the subconscious mind so that you can put in new beliefs, new patterns, new habits, new whatever it is that you want. So you can really let go of everything that no longer serves you and manifest the dream life that you want with hypnosis. And then um, self-hypnosis. Self-hypnosis, you can, I love doing self-hypnosis, for example, before I go to sleep, when I want to put my body into a relaxed state of mind, I can also use recordings for that. Um, and I can do a lot that I would do in hypnotherapy with a client, but I am limited because on recordings, for example, if I see a situation in my past, right, that I want to get rid of, that I want to let go of, in recordings, It has to be a general recording because I'm not going to know what's going to happen, what I'm going to see, what's going to come up for me. So it's limited. And so it's better to do this with a hypnotherapist. But recordings, for example, that you find on YouTube for um, more self-confidence, for less negative thoughts, for all of that stuff, um, is very general. Yep. If you want to be more specific, if you want to have a more customized approach to hypnotherapy, you do a, use a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. Makes sense.
I would like to come back to stage hypnosis when you said that if the hypnotist's instruction is in conflict with the person's values, they won't follow the instruction because there will be some something will stop them. So what about the many themes and stories that we've heard about when someone was hypnotized to go and kill another person or do something illegal or immoral that they don't remember afterwards? Is this just fiction or can it happen? So... It, there is an account, and I can't remember, I think it was the book um, Psycho-Cybernetics by Malcolm Maxwell, I think, where there is a case like that. Um, you have to know that you are always in control of your mind. So if you want to do something, you will do it regardless if somebody hypnotizes you or not. If, you, if your subconscious wants to do that, you will do it. But you're always in control of your mind. So if you really want to go to that place where you're going to do something that's that's bad or negative or, or killing somebody even, then that's you wanting that. That's not the hypnotherapist doing that to you. Because so there's a difference, there's a difference also between brainwashing and, and hyp- hypnosis, basically. In brainwashing, you will have the lights on at all times. You will get deprived of food, you will have noise around you all the time. And then eventually you're going to give in and you're going to say to the person, whatever it is that they want to hear so that you can get out of this horrible place where you, your senses are on 24 seven. So this is overstimulation of your Mm -hmm. senses basically. And then bad things may happen. Yes. Because they're just driving the person crazy who's being brainwashed. But in hypnosis, you always are in control of your mind. Okay. Then so can anyone be hypnotized for either clinical or stage hypnosis? As long as they want to. So if somebody has a lot of trust in a stage hypnotist from the very beginning, they can be hypnotized easily. Um, but there's a, if there's a little bit of distrust or if, there's, or if your mind is saying, oh, no, I'm not going to do this, um, then you cannot be hypnotized. So for example, me, I remember my first cruise ship stage hypnosis show. I sat there and I was like, Psh. You can't hypnotize me. <laughs> Didn't work, obviously. So, um, but if you trust a hypnotherapist and if you trust a, the stage hypnotist, you anybody can be hypnotized. So because hypnosis is just a relaxed state of mind. So it didn't work with you. He couldn't hypnotize you. No, because I didn't want it. <laughs> to to uh, behave like a chicken or a quack like a duck or something equally or more embarrassing <laughs> as they do. <laughs> no. I can be easily hypnotized because I've I've had hypnosis done on me. But I cannot imagine that I would allow myself to be hypnotized to do something stupid and then not remembering it. I don't understand exactly how this works because until the person is, is brought back or taken out of the hypnotic state, they will continue following the instructions. And when they are woken up, so to speak, or taken out of the state, they don't remember apparently. So when they see, say, if there was a recorded recording taken on a video and they can see themselves doing stupid things on stage, they say, oh my God, how is it possible that they don't remember? So sometimes the hypnotist gives them clues. You will hear him say, before you wake up, or um, you will not remember anything. And then he will bring them out of hypnosis. And if they really don't want to remember thing, uh, anything, then they won't. 
But if they are conscious to a certain degree where they will remember something or when they want to remember something, then they will. Okay. So you spoke of hypnosis being used to address various issues from health issues to emotional issues, fears and phobias, anxieties, etc. So is hypnosis the magic bullet? I love that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because if it is, we all want it. (laughs) Yeah, very true. And I do believe it is the magic bullet for a lot of things if you believe in it and if you trust in it. But it can also be, it is also important to combine it with the right things. For example, I cannot tell you that you're going to lose weight simply because I'm hypnotizing you. Um, because you, if you keep eating um, McDonald's and if you keep laying on your couch, <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot <laughs> hypnotize you to lose weight. So it's in combination with things. So for example, um, if I say, if I give you a hypnosis that, and, and also you always have to focus on, on the outcome, what you want. You don't want to lose weight. You want to feel healthy. You want to feel good. And a great hypnotherapist understands that. So if you work on that, then that is the magic bullet to, for example, let's say losing weight. I I hate using the term because most of us want to really be just fit and healthy and we want to run with our kids or we want to run a mile or or 10 miles or a marathon or whatever, right? Um, And we want to feel good in our bodies. That's what we want. We don't want to lose weight. Or for example, um, we don't want to have a lot of money. We want to have the freedom of time and location or whatever it is for people why they want money. It's not the money that we want. It's the feeling of freedom, the feeling of whatever. And so hypnosis can get you into these states of the feeling what you want. It can help you find out what you really want, what you truly want, what your soul wants. And that way it is easier to manifest your dream life. So if you really truly believe in hypnosis and if you trust your hypnotherapist, it can be the magic bullet to a lot of things. And I really hope and wish that a lot of more people are going to use hypnosis or other forms of the relaxed state of mind, whether it's theta healing, whether it's meditation, because now we're just getting fooled because everything we look for is outside of us, is externally, is in the systems, it's in the school and whatever. But we have forgotten to look inside of us. and. That is the magic bullet, looking inside. Hypnosis will help you do that. So I believe that hypnosis is a tool to the magic bullet, which is looking inside and what's what's within. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual, and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, 
my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. And this makes a lot of sense, but I still will ask you a difficult question, (laughs) challenging question, just because I'm curious, like genuinely curious. When we want to use hypnosis for healing, can you use hypnosis more specifically, specifically at the physical level, as opposed to dealing just with the emotional states? For example, can you in a hypnosis session somehow help the client increase their metabolism? So we're talking about changing their physiology, because if this can be done, then it will the way it will take care of itself, it will come off if the metabolism is increased at the physiological level, at the neurological level. Can it be done? Or with pain relief, can it be done? So a lot of, yes. So a lot of pain and a lot of, for example, cancer is caused by, 90% of cancer is caused by stress or by emotions that we have been holding in for decades or years. And so a lot of times what you find is people that heal themselves from cancer, they do a lot of different types of um, therapy, but they also go within and they release the grief. And and you can look at it. um, I think Louise Hay has a really great book for looking up the emotional root cause of your physical pains. Um, Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it is related to the emotional root cause. Um, And if you're really willing to look at this and to get rid of your physical pain, you can solve it. Jodis, Dr. Jodis Benza has proven it. He went in, he had an accident. He went into a coma and his whole body was pretty much destroyed and he fixed himself with meditation. So it can be done. His spine was yeah. broken. Yeah. yeah. His spine was broken and he fixed it. Uh, and yes. Regarding your question with the metabolism, um, I am not a weight loss specialist in hypnosis. But I have worked with clients on, for example, asking why they keep on weight. And usually it has a, an emotional root cause. Sometimes it's just a wall of protection. Yeah, I totally agree with you that every physical state, whether it's weight, whether it's some chronic pain, whether, whether it's cancer, whether it's uh, diabetes, whether it's whatever, which is basically an imbalance in the body, which means there is an imbalance or some disruption in the flow of energy. And in most cases, an accumulation of negative energy, which is stuck somewhere, just stuck itself around a particular organ or or tissue or a system. And I completely agree with you that 99% is stress, is caused by stress. So yes, addressing the emotional root causes of an issue will make it go away. But I still wanted to probe on the physiological level because, I mean, it, I just find it fascinating. You you gave an example of, of Dr. Dispenza. I mean, he basically healed his spine, which was broken in several places. 
in an accident over, I believe, the course of three weeks or so of daily, very deep um, internal work. And it just happened that uh, he's a chiropractor, so he knows the anatomy of the spine. So he was able to visualize exactly what those parts that he wanted to heal. And it, and he did it. It was done. It was claimed as a miracle that has never happened ever before. It can be done. So the connection between the mind and the physical outcome of the thought and emotion is very strong. May I give a quick example of what we use as hypnotherapists Please. of how the mind and body are connected? Please. So yes. if you want to do this little exercise with me, you may. You may close your eyes. Mm -hmm. And you can just imagine that you are walking into your kitchen right now. And just imagine it, you know, imagine what it sounds there in your kitchen and look around what you see in your kitchen and just go to the fridge and open the fridge and feel the cold air of the fridge really coming towards you. And then find some lemons in the fridge and take out a bowl of lemons or lemons in a sack, whatever you want, and place the lemons on the kitchen counter. Mm -hmm. And then you grab a, um, a cutting board and a knife. And then you're going to cut one of the lemons. And you're going to um, cut another time for to make a slice of a lemon. And now you take the slice of lemon into your hand. And now you put it against your mouth and you bite into the lemon. And, oh, you can feel how bitter it is. And you can feel the I'm bitter I'm salivating already. <laughs> you can feel it. Just even though there's no lemon there. You're salivating. Exactly. There's no yeah. lemon whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm that's how strong already. your mind is. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Could you give us some more examples? Um, some more examples. So, yes. For example, um, athletes. Amazing coaches for athletes teach them how to visualize winning. Mm, yes. They will visualize um, movements, they, how they win or how they, how they see themselves on stage with their medal or um, how they're doing the movement that they have to do in the Olympics or whatever. Amazing coaches do that. Mm -hmm. Amazing coaches do a lot of mental work. My boyfriend, for example, he's a weightlifter. Mm -hmm. And he does that too. He's a weightlifter on a national scale. So he does that too. Before he goes yeah. into a championship or into something, then he does visualize that. And anything that you manifest, I manifested my dream partner, him, my boyfriend, I manifested him into my physical space. So that's how powerful the mind <laughs> connection how, is. Anything how long manifest. did it take you to manifest him? Um, <laughs> well, If you want to uh, look at it this way, it definitely took me a few years, I would say, because I had to do a lot of healing work. I had to know exactly what I wanted, who I wanted, what I wanted in him. Um, so it, it did take me a few years mm -hmm. um, with all the healing work included. But it can happen within like literally within a month or, or two. Um, I've helped people manifest um, their dream partner within like, I don't know, four to eight weeks. Because we did, we went through the root cause of what it, what it was to, that held them back from love. And then we looked into how their dream partner was looking and feeling and everything. And then they met him like shortly after. So it is possible.
Absolutely. Now, you mentioned past life regression. Do you use past life regression as a modality in your work with clients? And could you give us some examples of anonymous, obviously, of of any particular um, successful or unusual uh, past life regression session for the client? So I would like to share about my own first experience with the past life regression because it helped me find my purpose. So you can argue what the purpose is. For some of us, it's just joy and, and play and enjoy life. And I believe that my soul's purpose, though, why I came into this life on earth, um, I found that in a past life regression, which is learn and teach how to love. And when I heard that during the past life regression, my whole life made sense because I had to do this with my with my parents. It was very hard uh, with my partners, which was very hard. And so I was learning and teaching all the time. And it made sense. And for other one of my clients, for, for one of them, it was um, freedom. For one of them, it was sharing truth. And um, it's, it's just the way where you find that one big word, like love, truth, freedom, whatever, and where your whole life starts making sense. And then I also connected with one of my soulmates, with my twin flame, actually, uh, in, in a past life regression, too. And that was incredible. And also for my clients, there was one time where my clients, she was like, oh, I'm afraid of birds. And I don't know why. It's really weird. And guess what? In a past life regression, we found out that she was eaten up by birds. Um, her dead body was eaten by birds. That's why she was afraid. <laughs> and then my other client. Sorry, so what happened once she became aware of that? Now she's fine. Like she she's she doesn't like birds, but she's fine. Like she's not afraid or she's she doesn't have a problem with them. Okay. It's like a neutral feeling now. Okay, so the phobia was removed. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um one of my other clients, um, we went, oh, that's a good one. So one of the clients I was telling you about, we were looking for her um biggest problem on why she can't find love. And it went back to a past life where a man had tried to drown her and tried to kill her. And he actually succeeded in killing her. So that way, she never trusted men again. Never from that moment on. And then we woke her up. We brought her up from the hypnosis. And later that day, I fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, at like two or three, my boyfriend's laptop went on and it showed like a Netflix show and like completely random. And I was like, oh my God. And I knew that when I woke up between like two and four, it was like a spiritual time. So I was like, ah, spirit's trying to communicate with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I started crying and becoming really emotional and just like, I didn't know what was going on. I was freaking out my boyfriend a little bit. So <laughs> we said, okay, <laughs> let's go sit into another room. And then we sat into this other room and I was able to breathe. And I asked, I was like, okay, what is this? This is not mine, obviously, but I want to know what is this? And then the spirit communicated with me that the man communicated with me. And he said, I'm so sorry for killing her. I didn't want to kill her. I, like, I'm sorry to tell her. I'm sorry to tell her. I'm sorry. Wow. And I was like, what? And so at first I was a little bit scared to share this with my client because, you know, it's crazy. Mm, it's a great little yeah. story. But I did end up sharing it with her. And she said, wow, Jenny, thank you so much for sharing that with me because nobody has ever apologized for what they did to me. 
So mm. now this gives me a lot of healing and um, a lot of strength. And yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was an incredible wow. story. Wow. Very powerful. So do you communicate with spirit? Do you do channeling? Or do you channel, I should I should say? Yeah, you do. I do too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you combine it or use it in your sessions with clients? 100%. And it's the one thing that is leading to the most healing. Because when they get to communicate with their ancestors, with the angels, with other types of beings, with consciousness, like abundance consciousness, for example, that like leads to the most... And even spirit animals, just like animals that come up into in hypnosis, they're channeling spirit that way. And it leads to the most profound healing and to the most profound change. Beautiful. So, uh, Jennifer, could you tell us where people can find you and uh, what sort of offerings do you have? Do you do online hypnosis or only face-to-face? -face? Tell us about your podcast. And obviously, I will include all the links in the show notes. For okay, great. Thank you. So how you can find me is you can find me on Instagram at Mind Your Subconscious. You can find me on Facebook at Mind Your Subconscious or under my name. So either either way, if you um, Google either of mm -hmm. these two, you can find me on YouTube, on Pinterest, literally anywhere. <laughs> and um, I do mostly online hypnosis. When I'm in South Africa, for example, I sometimes give face-to-face um, -face hypnosis, but I also give workshops like past life regression workshops or breathwork workshops. And okay. um, I teach hypnosis now as well. I have a course that's running right now and I'm going to run it um, again mm -hmm. next year for sure. Okay. So people can access it on your website, yes? If they want to. Um, mostly on Instagram. Just connect with me on Instagram because my website is under construction oh, okay. for now. Um, so contact me on Instagram or Facebook or email and mm -hmm. um, then we can chat. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. So yes, I will include all the links on your uh, on the show notes so that people can can get in touch with you. Beautiful. So what would be your key message, key takeaway for people listening to this podcast? I want people to take away that they are more powerful than they think. Mm. And once they start exploring their subconscious mind, once they start exploring what's within them, rather than looking for solutions or answers or people outside to make them happy, to make them powerful, to give them something, once they look inside, And once they start calming and relaxing their mind and going into that powerful, mysterious theta brainwave state, that's where the magic happens. That's where I changed my life and my clients' lives are changed. So if you really want to manifest what you've dreamed about, you start with your subconscious minds. Beautiful. Oh, I'm loving this message. Beautiful, very powerful message, very empowering. Thank you so much, Jenny. May I call you Jenny? Yes, please. <laughs> Thank, you so much. Thank you so much, Jenny, uh, for this lovely, lovely conversation. Very, uh, very energized and, and full of beautiful <laughs> so advice and information. Thank you for your lovely presence on my Quantum Living podcast. And hopefully we'll chat again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. 
thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.